Chapter Thirteen of Persuasion by Jane Austen. The remainder of Anne's time at Uppercross, comprehending only two days, was spent entirely at the mansion house, and she had the satisfaction of knowing herself extremely useful there, both as an immediate companion and as assisting in all those arrangements for the future which, in Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove's distressed state of spirits, would have been difficulties they had an early account from lyme the next morning louisa was much the same no symptoms worse than before had appeared charles came a few hours afterwards to bring a latter and more particular account he was tolerably cheerful a speedy cure must not be hoped but everything was going on as well as the nature of the case admitted in speaking of the harvilles he seemed unable to satisfy his own sense of their kindness especially of mrs harville's exertions as a nurse she really left nothing for mary to do he and mary had been persuaded to go early to their inn last night mary had been hysterical again this morning when he came away she was going to walk out with captain benwick which he hoped would do her good he almost wished she had been prevailed on to come home the day before but the truth was that mrs harville left nothing for anybody to do charles was to return to lyme the same afternoon and his father had at first half a mind to go with him but the ladies could not consent it would be going only to multiply trouble to the others and increase his own distress and a much better scheme followed and was acted upon a chaise was sent for from cruin and charles conveyed back a far more useful person in the old nursery maid of the family one who having brought up all the children and seen the very last the lingering and long-petted master harry sent to school after his brothers was now living in her deserted nursery to mend stockings and dress all the blains and bruises she could get near her and who consequently was only too happy in being allowed to go and help nurse dear miss louisa vague wishes of getting sarah thither had occurred before to mrs musgrove and henrietta but without anne it would hardly have been resolved on and found practical so soon they were indebted the next day to charles hayter for all the minute knowledge of louisa which it was so essential to obtain every twenty-four hours he made it his business to go to lyme and his account was still encouraging the intervals of sense and consciousness were believed to be stronger every report agreed in captain wentworth's appearing fixed in lyme anne was to leave them on the morrow an event which they all dreaded what should they do without her they were wretched comforters for one another and so much was said in this way that anne thought she could not do better than impart among them the general inclination to which she was privy and persuaded them all to go to lyme at once she had little difficulty it was soon determined that they would go go to-morrow fix themselves at the inn or get into lodgings as it suited and there remain till dear louisa could be moved they must be taking off some trouble from the good people she was with they might at least relieve mrs harville from the care of her own children and in short they were so happy in the decision that anne was delighted with what she had done and felt that she could not spend her last morning at uppercross better than in assisting their preparations and sending them off at an early hour though her being left to the solitary range of the house was the consequence she was the last excepting the little boys at the cottage she was the very last the only remaining one of all that had filled and animated both houses of all that had given up across its cheerful character a few days had made a change indeed if louisa recovered it would all be well again more than former happiness would be restored there could not be a doubt to her mind there was none of what would follow her recovery 
a few months hence and the room now so deserted occupied but by her silent pensive self might be filled again with all that was happy and gay all that was glowing and bright and prosperous love all that was most unlike anne elliot an hour's complete leisure for such reflections as these on a dark november day a small thick rain almost blotting out the very few objects ever to be discerned from the windows was enough to make the sound of lady russell's carriage exceedingly welcome and yet though desirous to be gone she could not quit the mansion-house or look and adieu to the cottage with its black dripping and comfortless veranda or even notice through the misty glasses the last humble tenements of the village without a saddened heart scenes had passed in uppercross which made it precious it stood the record of many sensations of pain once severe but now softened and of some instances of relenting feeling some breathings of friendship and reconciliation which could never be looked for again and which could never cease to be dear she left it all behind her all but the recollection that such things had been anne had never entered kellynitch since her quitting lady russell's house in september it had not been necessary and the few occasions of its being possible for her to go to the hall she had contrived to evade and escape from her first return was to resume her place in the modern and elegant apartments of the lodge and to gladden the eyes of its mistress there was some anxiety mixed with lady russell's joy in meeting her she knew who had been frequently uppercross but happily either anne was improved in plumpness and looks or lady russell fancied her so and anne in receiving her compliments on the occasion had the amusement of connecting them with the silent admiration of her cousin and of hoping that she was to be blessed with a second spring of youth and beauty when they came to converse she was soon sensible of some mental change the subjects of which her heart had been full on leaving kellynitch and which she had felt slighted and been compelled to smother among the musgroves were now become but of secondary interest she had lately lost sight even of her father and sister and bath their concerns had been sunk under those of uppercross and when lady russell reverted to their former hopes and fears and spoke her satisfaction in the house in camden place which had been taken and her regret that mrs clay should still be with them anne would have been ashamed to have it known how much more she was thinking of lyme and louisa musgrove and all her acquaintance there how much more interesting to her was the home and the friendship of the harvilles and captain benwick than her own father's house in camden place or her own sister's intimacy with mrs clay she was actually forced to exert herself to meet lady russell with anything like the appearance of equal solicitude on topics which had by nature the first claim on her there was a little awkwardness at first in their discourse on another subject they must speak of the accident at lyme lady russell had not been arrived five minutes the day before when a full account of the whole had burst on her but still it must be talked of she must make inquiries she must regret the imprudence lament the result and captain wentworth's name must be mentioned by both anne was conscious of not doing it so well as lady russell she could not speak the name and look straight forward to lady russell's eye till she had adopted the expedient of telling her briefly what she thought of the attachment between him and louisa when that was told his name distressed her no longer lady russell had only to listen composedly and wish them happy and internally her heart revealed in angry pleasure in pleased contempt that the man who at twenty-three had seemed to understand somewhat of the value of an anne elliot should eight years afterwards be charmed by louisa musgrove 
the first three or four days passed most quietly with no circumstance to mark them excepting the receipt of a note or two from lyme which found their way to anne she could not tell how and brought a rather improving account of louisa at the end of that period lady russell's politeness could repose no longer and the fainter self-threatenings of the past became in a decided tone i must call on mrs croft i really must call upon her soon anne have you courage to go with me and pay a visit in that house it will be some trial to us both anne did not shrink from it on the contrary she truly felt as she said in observing i think you are very likely to suffer the most of the two your feelings are less reconciled to the change than mine by remaining in the neighbourhood i am become inured to it she could have said more on the subject for she had in fact so high an opinion of the crofts and considered her father so very fortunate in his tenants felt the parish to be so sure of a good example and the poor of the best attention and relief that however sorry and ashamed for the necessity of the removal she could not but in conscience feel that they were gone who deserved not to stay and that kellynich hall had passed into better hands than its owners these convictions must unquestionably have their own pain and severe was its kind but they precluded that pain which lady russell would suffer in entering the house again and returning through the well-known apartments in such moments anne had no power of saying to herself these rooms ought to belong only to us oh how fallen in their destination how unworthily occupied an ancient family to be so driven away strangers filling their place no except when she thought of her mother and remembered where she had been used to sit and besides she had no sigh of that description to heave mrs croft always met her with a kindness which gave her the pleasure of fancying herself a favourite and on the present occasion receiving her in that house there was particular attention the sad accident at lyme was soon the prevailing topic and on comparing their latest accounts of the invalid it appeared that each lady dated her intelligence from the same hour of yestermorn that captain wentworth had been in kellynich yesterday the first time since the accident had brought anne the last note which she had not been able to trace the exact steps of had stayed a few hours and then returned again to lyme and without any present intention of quitting it any more he had inquired after her she found particularly had expressed his hope of miss elliot's not being the worse for her exertions and had spoken of those exertions as great this was handsome and gave her more pleasure than almost anything else could have done as to the sad catastrophe itself it could be canvassed only in one style by a couple of steady sensible women whose judgments had to work on ascertained events and it was perfectly decided that it had been the consequence of much thoughtlessness and much imprudence that its effects were almost alarming and that it was frightful to think how long miss musgrove's recovery might yet be doubtful and how liable she would still remain to suffer from the concussion hereafter the admiral wound it up summarily by exclaiming ay a very bad business indeed a new sort of way this for a young fellow to be making love by breaking his mistress's head is it not miss elliot this is breaking a head and giving a plaster truly admiral croft's manners were not quite of the tone to suit lady russell but they delighted anne his goodness of heart and simplicity of character were irresistible now this must be very bad for you said he suddenly rousing from a little reverie to be coming and finding us here i had not recollected it before i declare but it must be very bad but now do not stand upon ceremony get up and go over all the rooms in the house if you like it another time sir thank you not now well whenever it suits you you can slip in from the shrubbery at any time and there you will find we keep our umbrellas hanging up by that door a good place is it not 
but checking himself you will not think it a good place for yours were always kept in the butler's room ay so it always is i believe one man's ways may be as good as another's but we all like our own best and so you must judge for yourself whether it would be better for you to go about the house or not and finding she might decline it did so very gratefully we have made very few changes either continued the admiral after thinking a moment very few we told you about the laundry door at uppercross that has been a very great improvement the wonder was how any family upon earth could bear with the inconvenience of its opening as it did so long you will tell sir walter what we have done and that mr shepherd thinks it the greatest improvement the house ever had indeed i must do ourselves the justice to say that the few alterations we have made have been all very much for the better my wife should have the credit of them however i have done very little besides sending away some of the large-looking glasses from my dressing-room which was your father's a very good man and very much the gentleman i am sure but i should think miss elliot looking with serious reflection i should think he must be rather a dressy man for his time of life such a number of looking-glasses oh lord there was no getting away from one's self so i got sophie to lend me a hand and we soon shifted their quarters and now i am quite snug with my little shaving-glass in one corner and another great thing that i never go near anne amused in spite of herself was rather distressed for an answer and the admiral fearing he might not have been civil enough took up the subject again to say the next time you write to your good father miss elliot pray give him my compliments and mrs crofts and say we are settled here quite to our liking and have no fault at all to find with the place the breakfast-room chimney smokes a little i grant you but it is only when the wind is due north and blows hard which may not happen three times a winter and take it altogether now that we have been into most of the house hereabouts and can judge there is not one that we like better than this pray say so with my compliments he will be glad to hear it lady russell and mrs croft were very well pleased with each other but the acquaintance which this visit began was fated not to proceed far at present for when it was returned the crofts announced themselves to be going away for a few weeks to visit their connections in the north of the county and probably might not be at home again before lady russell would be removing to bath so ended all danger to anne of meeting captain wentworth at kellynitch hall or of seeing him in company with her friend everything was safe enough and she smiled over the many anxious feelings she had wasted on the subject End of chapter thirteen chapter fourteen though charles and mary had remained at lyme much longer after mr and mrs musgrove's going than anne conceived they could have been at all wanted they were yet the first of the family to be at home again and as soon as possible after the return to uppercross they drove over to the lodge they had left louisa beginning to sit up but her head though clear was exceedingly weak and her nerves susceptible to the highest extreme of tenderness and though she might be pronounced to be altogether doing very well it was still impossible to say when she might be able to bear the removal home and her father and mother who must return in time to receive their younger children for the christmas holidays had hardly a hope of being allowed to bring her with them they had been all in lodgings together mrs musgrove had got mrs harville's children away as much as she could every possible supply from uppercross had been furnished to lighten the inconvenience to the harvilles while the harvilles had been wanting them to come to dinner every day and in short it seemed to have been only a struggle on each side as to which should be most disinterested and hospitable mary had had her evils 
but upon the whole as was evident by her staying so long she had found more to enjoy than to suffer charles hayter had been at lyme oftener than suited her and when they dined with the harvilles there had been only a maid-servant to wait and at first mrs harville had always given mrs musgrove precedence but then she had received so very handsome an apology from her on finding out whose daughter she was and there had been so much going on every day there had been so many walks between their lodgings and the harvilles and she had got books from the library and changed them so often that the balance had certainly been much in favour of lyme she had been taken to charmouth too and she had bathed and she had gone to church and there were a great many more people to look at in the church at lyme than at uppercross and all this joined to the sense of being so very useful had made really an agreeable fortnight anne inquired after captain benwick mary's face was clouded directly charles laughed oh captain benwick is very well i believe but he is a very odd young man i do not know what he would be at we asked him to come home with us for a day or two charles undertook to give him some shooting and he seemed quite delighted and for my part i thought it was all settled when behold on tuesday night he made a very awkward sort of excuse he never shot and he had been quite misunderstood and he had promised this and he had promised that and the end of it was i found that he did not mean to come i suppose he was afraid of finding it dull but upon my word i should have thought we were lively enough at the cottage for such a heart-broken man as captain benwick charles laughed again and said now mary you know very well how it really was it was all your doing turning to anne he fancied that if he went with us he should find you close by he fancied everybody to be living in uppercross and when he discovered that lady russell lived three miles off his heart failed him and he had not courage to come that is the fact upon my honour mary knows it is but mary did not give into it very graciously whether from not considering captain benwick entitled by birth and situation to be in love with an elliot or from not wanting to believe anne a greater attraction to uppercross than herself must be left to be guessed anne's good will however was not to be lessened by what she heard she boldly acknowledged herself flattered and continued her inquiries oh he talks of you cried charles in such terms mary interrupted him i declare charles i never heard him mention anne twice all the time i was there i declare anne he never talks of you at all no admitted charles i do not know that he ever does in a general way but however it is a very clear thing that he admires you exceedingly his head is full of some books that he is reading upon your recommendation and he wants to talk to you about them he has found out something or other in one of them which he thinks oh i cannot pretend to remember it but it was something very fine i overheard him telling henrietta all about it and then miss elliot was spoken of in the highest terms now mary i declare it was so i heard it myself and you were in the other room elegance sweetness beauty oh there was no end of miss elliot's charms and i am sure cried mary warmly it was a very little to his credit if he did miss harville only died last june such a heart is very little worth having is it lady russell i am sure you will agree with me i must see captain benwick before i decide said lady russell smiling and that you are very likely to do very soon i can tell you ma'am said charles though he had not the nerves for coming away with us and setting off again afterwards to pay a formal visit here he will make his way over to kellynich one day by himself you may depend on it i told him the distance and the road and i told him of the church as being so very well worth seeing for as he has a taste for those sort of things i thought that would be a good excuse and he listened with all his understanding and soul 
and i am sure from his manner that you will have him calling here soon so i give you notice lady russell any acquaintance of anne's will always be welcome to me was lady russell's kind answer oh as to being anne's acquaintance said mary i think he is rather my acquaintance for i have been seeing him every day this last fortnight well as your joint acquaintance then i shall be very happy to see captain benwick you will not find anything very agreeable in him i assure you ma'am he is one of the dullest young men that ever lived he has walked with me sometimes from one end of the sands to the other without saying a word he is not at all a well-bred young man i am sure you will not like him there we differ mary said anne i think lady russell would like him i think she would be so much pleased with his mind that she would very soon see no deficiency in his manner so do i anne said charles i am sure lady russell would like him he is just lady russell's sort give him a book and he will read all day long yes that he will exclaimed mary tauntingly he will sit poring over his book and not know when a person speaks to him or when one drops one's scissors or anything that happens do you think lady russell would like that lady russell could not help laughing upon my word said she i should not have supposed that my opinion of any one could have admitted of such difference of conjecture steady and matter-of-fact as i may call myself i have really a curiosity to see the person who can give occasion to such directly opposite notions i wish he may be induced to call here and when he does marry you may depend upon hearing my opinion but i am determined not to judge him beforehand you will not like him i will answer for it lady russell began talking of something else mary spoke with animation of their meeting with or rather missing mr elliot so extraordinarily he is a man said lady russell whom i have no wish to see his declining to be on cordial terms with the head of his family has left a very strong impression in his disfavor with me this decision checked mary's eagerness and stopped her short in the midst of the elliot countenance with regard to captain wentworth though anne hazarded no inquiries there was voluntary communication sufficient his spirits had been greatly recovering lately as might be expected as louisa improved he had improved and he was now quite a different creature from what he had been the first week he had not seen louisa and was so extremely fearful of any ill consequence to her from an interview that he did not press for it at all and on the contrary seemed to have a plan of going away for a week or ten days till her head was stronger he had talked of going down to plymouth for a week and wanted to persuade captain benwick to go with him but as charles maintained to the last captain benwick seemed much more disposed to ride over to kellynich there can be no doubt that lady russell and anne were both occasionally thinking of captain benwick from this time lady russell could not hear the door-bell without feeling that it might be his herald nor could anne return from any stroll of solitary indulgence in her father's grounds or any visit of charity in the village without wondering whether she might see him or hear of him captain benwick came not however he was either less disposed for it than charles had imagined or he was too shy and after giving him a week's indulgence lady russell determined him to be unworthy of the interest which he had been beginning to excite the musgroves came back to receive their happy boys and girls from school bringing with them mrs harville's little children to improve the noise of uppercross and lessen that of lime henrietta remained with louisa but all the rest of the family were again in their usual quarters lady russell and anne paid their compliments to them once when anne could not but feel that uppercross was already quite alive again though neither henrietta nor louisa nor charles hayter nor captain wentworth were there the room presented as strong a contrast as could be wished to the last state she had seen it in immediately surrounding mrs musgrove were the little harvilles 
whom she was sedulously guarding from the tyranny of the two children from the cottage expressly arrived to amuse them on one side was a table occupied by some chattering girls cutting up silk and gold paper and on the other were trestles and trays bending under the weight of brawn and cold pies where riotous boys were holding high reveille the whole completed by a roaring christmas fire which seemed determined to be heard in spite of all the noise of the others charles and mary also came in of course during their visit and mr musgrove made a point of paying his respects to lady russell and sat down close to her for ten minutes talking with a very raised voice but from the clamour of the children on his knees generally in vain it was a fine family piece and judging from her own temperament would have deemed such a domestic hurricane a bad restorative of the nerves which louise's illness must have so greatly shaken but mrs musgrove who got anne near her on purpose to thank her most cordially again and again for all her attentions to them concluded a short recapitulation of what she had suffered herself by observing with a happy glance around the room that after all she had gone through nothing was so likely to do her good as a little quiet cheerfulness at home louisa was now recovering apace her mother could even think of her being able to join their party at home before her brothers and sisters went to school again the harvilles had promised to come with her and stay at uppercross whenever she returned captain wentworth was gone for the present to see his brother in shropshire i hope i shall remember in future said lady russell as soon as they were reseated in the carriage not to call at uppercross in the christmas holidays everybody has their taste in noises as well as in other matters and sounds are quite innoxious or most distressing by their sort rather than their quantity when lady russell not long afterwards was entering bath on a wet afternoon and driving through the long course of streets from the old bridge to camden place amidst the dash of other carriages the heavy rumble of carts and drays the brawing of newspaper men muffin men and milkmen and the ceaseless clink of patterns she made no complaint no these were noises which belonged to the winter pleasures her spirits rose under their influence and like mrs musgrove she was feeling though not saying that after being long in the country nothing could be so good for her as a little quiet cheerfulness and did not share these feelings she persisted in a very determined though very silent disinclination for bath caught the first dim view of the extensive buildings smoking in rain without any wish of seeing them better felt the progress through the streets to be however disagreeable yet too rapid for who would be glad to see her when she arrived and looked back with fond regret to the bustles of uppercross and the seclusions of kellynich elizabeth's last letter had communicated a piece of news of some interest mr elliot was in bath he had called in camden place had called a second time a third had been pointedly attentive if elizabeth and her father did not deceive themselves had been taking much pains to seek the acquaintance and proclaim the value of the connection as he had formerly taken pains to show neglect this was very wonderful if it were true and lady russell was in a state of very agreeable curiosity and perplexity about mr elliot already recanting the sentiment she had so lately expressed to mary of his being a man whom she had no wish to see she had a great wish to see him if he really sought to reconcile himself like a dutiful branch he must be forgiven for having dismembered himself from the paternal tree and was not animated to an equal pitch by the circumstance but she felt that she would rather see mr elliot again than not which was more than she could say for many other persons in bath she was put down in camden place and lady russell then drove to her own lodgings in rivers street End of chapter fourteen
Chapter Fifteen of Persuasion by Jane Austen. Sir Walter had taken a very good house in Camden Place, a lofty, dignified situation such as becomes a man of consequence, and both he and Elizabeth were settled there much to their satisfaction. Anne entered it with a sinking heart, anticipating an imprisonment of many months, and anxiously saying to herself, "Oh, when shall I leave you again?" A degree of unexpected cordiality, however, in the welcome she received, did her good her father and sister were glad to see her for the sake of showing her the house and furniture and met her with kindness her making a fourth when they sat down to dinner was noticed as an advantage mrs clay was very pleasant and very smiling but her courtesies and smiles were more a matter of course and had always felt that she would pretend what was proper on her arrival but the complaisance of the others was unlooked for they were evidently in excellent spirits and she was soon to listen to the causes they had no inclination to listen to her after laying out for some compliments of being deeply regretted in their old neighbourhood which anne could not pay they had only a few faint inquiries to make before the talk must be all their own uppercross excited no interest telling it very little it was all bath they had the pleasure of assuring her that bath more than answered their expectations in every respect their house was undoubtedly the best in camden place their drawing-rooms had many decided advantages over all the others which they had either seen or heard of and the superiority was not less in the style of the fitting-up or the taste of the furniture their acquaintance was exceedingly sought after everybody was wanting to visit them they had drawn back from many introductions and still were perpetually having cards left by people of whom they knew nothing here were funds of enjoyment could anne wonder that her father and sister were happy she might not wonder but she must sigh that her father should feel no degradation in his change should see nothing to regret in the duties and dignity of the resident landholder should find so much to be vain of in so littleness of a town and she must sigh and smile and wonder too as elizabeth threw open the folding doors and walked with exultation from one drawing-room to the other boasting of their space at the possibility of that woman who had been mistress of kellynitch hall finding extent to be proud of between two walls perhaps thirty feet asunder but this was not all which they had to make them happy they had mr elliot too and had a great deal to hear of mr elliot he was not only pardoned they were delighted with him he had been in bath about a fortnight he had passed through bath in november in his way to london when the intelligence of sir walter's being settled there had of course reached him though only twenty-four hours in the place but he had not been able to avail himself of it but he had now been a fortnight in bath and his first object on arriving had been to leave his card in camden place following it up by such assiduous endeavours to meet and when they did meet by such great openness of conduct such readiness to apologise for the past such solicitude to be received as a relation again that their former good understanding was completely re-established they had not a fault to find in him he had explained away all the appearance of neglect on his own side it had originated in misapprehension entirely he had never had an idea of throwing himself off he had feared that he was thrown off but knew not why and delicacy had kept him silent upon the hint of having spoken disrespectfully or carelessly of the family and the family honours he was quite indignant he who had ever boasted of being an elliot and whose feelings as to connection were only too strict to suit the unfruitful tone of the present day he was astonished indeed that his character and general conduct must refute it he could refer sir walter to all who knew him 
and certainly the pains he had been taking on this the first opportunity of reconciliation to be restored to the footing of a relation and heir presumptive was a strong proof of his opinions on the subject the circumstances of his marriage too were found to admit of much extenuation this was an article not to be entered on by himself but a very intimate friend of his a colonel wallace a highly respectable man perfectly the gentleman and not an ill-looking man sir walter added who was living in very good style in marlborough buildings and had at his own particular request been admitted to their acquaintance through mr elliot had mentioned one or two things relative to the marriage which made a material difference in the discredit of it colonel wallace had known mr elliot long had been well acquainted also with his wife had perfectly understood the whole story she was certainly not a woman of family but well educated accomplished rich and excessively in love with his friend there had been the charm she had sought him without that attraction not all her money would have tempted elliot and sir walter was moreover assured of her having been a very fine woman here was a great deal to soften the business a very fine woman with a large fortune in love with him sir walter seemed to admit it as complete apology and though elizabeth could not see the circumstance in quite so favourable a light she allowed it to be a great extenuation mr elliot had called repeatedly had dined with them once evidently delighted by the distinction of being asked for they gave no dinners in general delighted in short by every proof of cousinly notice and placing his whole happiness in being on intimate terms in camden place anne listened but without quite understanding it allowances large allowances she knew must be made for the ideas of those who spoke shared it all under embellishment all that sounded extravagant or irrational in the progress of the reconciliation might have no origin but in the language of the relators still however she had the sensation of there being something more than immediately appeared in mr elliot's wishing after an interval of so many years to be well received by them in a worldly view he had nothing to gain by being on terms with sir walter nothing to risk by a state of variance in all probability he was already the richer of the two and the kellynich estate would as surely be his hereafter as the title a sensible man and he had looked like a very sensible man why should it be an object to him she could only offer one solution it was perhaps for elizabeth's sake there might really have been a liking formerly though convenience and accident had drawn him a different way and now that he could afford to please himself he might mean to pay his addresses to her elizabeth was certainly very handsome with well-bred elegant manners and her character might never have been penetrated by mr elliot knowing her but in public and when very young himself how her temper and understanding might bear the investigation of his present keener time of life was another concern and rather a fearful one most earnestly did she wish that he might not be too nice or too observant if elizabeth were his object and that elizabeth was disposed to believe herself so and that her friend mrs clay was encouraging the idea seemed apparent by a glance or two between them while mr elliot's frequent visits were talked of anne mentioned the glimpses she had had of him at lyme but without being much attended to oh yes perhaps it had been mr elliot they did not know it might be him perhaps they could not listen to her description of him they were describing him themselves sir walter especially he did justice to his very gentlemanlike appearance his air of elegance and fashion his good-shaped face his sensible eye but at the same time must lament his being very much underhung a defect which time seemed to have increased 
nor could he pretend to say that ten years had not altered almost every feature for the worse mr elliot appeared to think that he sir walter was looking exactly as he had done when they last parted but sir walter had not been able to return the compliment entirely which had embarrassed him he did not mean to complain however mr elliot was better to look at than most men and he had no objection to being seen with him anywhere mr elliot and his friends in marlborough buildings were talked of the whole evening colonel wallace had been so impatient to be introduced to them and mr elliot so anxious that he should and there was a mrs wallace at present known only to them by description as she was in daily expectation of her confinement but mr elliot spoke of her as a most charming woman quite worthy of being known in camden place and as soon as she recovered they were to be acquainted sir walter thought much of mrs wallace she was said to be an excessively pretty woman beautiful he longed to see her he hoped she might make some amends for the many very plain faces he was continually passing in the streets the worst of bath was the number of its plain women he did not mean to say that there were no pretty women but the number of the plain was out of all proportion he had frequently observed as he walked that one handsome face would be followed by thirty or five-and-thirty frights and once as he had stood in a shop on bond street he had counted eighty-seven women go by one after another without there being a tolerable face among them it had been a frosty morning to be sure a sharp frost which hardly one woman in a thousand could stand the test of but still there certainly were a dreadful multitude of ugly women in bath and as for the men they were infinitely worse such scarecrows as the streets were full of it was evident how little the women were used to the sight of anything tolerable by the effect which a man of decent appearance produced he had never walked anywhere arm in arm with colonel wallace who was a fine military figure though sandy-haired without observing that every woman's eye was upon him every woman's eye was sure to be upon colonel wallace modest sir walter he was not allowed to escape however his daughter and mrs clay united in hinting that colonel wallace's companion might have as good a figure as colonel wallace and certainly was not sandy-haired how is mary looking said sir walter in the height of his good humour the last time i saw her she had a red nose but i hope that may not happen every day oh no that must have been quite accidental in general she has been in very good health and very good looks since michaelmas if i thought it would not tempt her to go out in sharp winds and grow coarse i would send her a new hat and felice anne was considering whether she should venture to suggest that a gown or a cap would not be liable to any misuse when a knock at the door suspended everything a knock at the door and so late it was ten o'clock could it be mr elliot they knew he was to dine in lansdowne crescent it was possible that he might stop in his way home to ask them how they did they could think of no one else mrs clay decidedly thought it mr elliot's knock mrs clay was right with all the state which a butler and footboy could give mr elliot was ushered into the room it was the same the very same man with no deference but of dress anne drew a little back while the others received his compliments and her sister his apologies for calling at so unusual an hour but he could not be so near without wishing to know that neither she nor her friend had taken cold the day before etc etc which was all as politely done and as politely taken as possible but her part must follow then sir walter talked of his youngest daughter mr elliot must give him leave to resent him to his youngest daughter there was no occasion for remembering mary and anne smiling and blushing very becomingly showed to mr elliot the pretty features which he had by no means forgotten 
and instantly saw with amusement at his little start of surprise that he had not been at all aware of who she was he looked completely astonished but not more astonished than pleased his eyes brightened and with the most perfect alacrity he welcomed the relationship alluded to the past and entreated to be received as an acquaintance already he was quite as good-looking as he had appeared at lyme his countenance improved by speaking and his manners were so exactly what they ought to be so polished so easy so particularly agreeable that she could compare him in excellence to only one person's manners they were not the same but they were perhaps equally good he sat down with them and improved their conversation very much there could be no doubt of his being a sensible man ten minutes were enough to certify that his tone his expressions his choice of subject his knowing where to stop it was all the operation of a sensible discerning mind as soon as he could he began to talk to her of lyme wanting to compare opinions respecting the place but especially wanting to speak of the circumstance of their happening to be guests in the same inn at the same time to give his own route understand something of hers and regret that he should have lost such an opportunity of paying his respects to her she gave him a short account of their party and business at lyme his regret increased as he listened he had spent his whole solitary evening in the room adjoining theirs had heard voices mirth continually thought they must be a most delightful set of people longed to be with them but certainly without the smallest suspicion of his possessing the shadow of a right to introduce himself if he had but asked who the party were the name of musgrove would have told him enough well it would serve to cure him of an absurd practice of never asking a question at an inn which he had adopted when quite a young man on the principle of its being very ungenteel to be curious the notions of a young man of one or two and twenty said he as to what is necessary in manners to make him quite the thing are more absurd i believe than those of any other set of beings in the world the folly of the means they often employ is only to be equalled by the folly of what they have in view but he must not be addressing his reflections to anne alone he knew it he was soon diffused again among the others and it was only at intervals that he could return to lyme his inquiries however produced at length an account of the scene she had been engaged in there soon after his leaving the place having alluded to an accident he must hear the whole when he questioned sir walter and elizabeth began to question also but the difference in their manner of doing it could not be unfelt she could only compare mr elliot to lady russell in the wish of really comprehending what had passed and in the degree of concern for what she must have suffered in witnessing it he stayed an hour with them the elegant little clock on the mantelpiece had struck eleven with its silver sounds and the watchman was beginning to be heard at a distance telling the same tale before mr elliot or any of them seemed to feel that he had been there long anne could not have supposed it possible that her first evening in camden place could have passed so well End of chapter fifteen chapter sixteen of persuasion there was one point which anne on returning to her family would have been more thankful to ascertain even than mr elliot's being in love with elizabeth which was her father's not being in love with mrs clay and she was very far from easy about it when she had been at home a few hours on going down to breakfast the next morning she found there had just been a decent pretence on the lady's side of meaning to leave them she could imagine mrs clay to have said that now miss anne has come she could not suppose herself at all wanted for elizabeth was replying in a sort of whisper that must not be any reason indeed i assure you i feel it none she is nothing to me compared with you 
and she was in full time to hear her father say my dear madam this must not be as yet you have seen nothing of bath you have been here only to be useful you must not run away from us now you must stay to be acquainted with mrs wallace the beautiful mrs wallace to your fine mind i know well the sight of beauty is a real gratification he spoke and looked so much in earnest that anne was not surprised to see mrs clay stealing a glance at elizabeth and herself her countenance perhaps might express some watchfulness but the praise of the fine mind did not appear to excite a thought in her sister the lady could not but yield to such joint entreaties and promised to stay in the course of the same morning anne and her father chancing to be alone together he began to compliment her on her improved looks he thought her less thin in her person in her cheeks her skin her complexion greatly improved clearer fresher had she been using anything in particular no nothing merely garwin he supposed no nothing at all ha huh? he was surprised at that and added certainly you cannot do better than to continue as you are you cannot be better than well or i should recommend gowlin the constant use of gowlin during the spring months mrs clay has been using it at my recommendation and you see what it has done for her you see how it has carried away her freckles if elizabeth could but have heard this such personal praise might have struck her especially as it did not appear to anne that the freckles were at all lessened but everything must take its chance the evil of a marriage would be much diminished if elizabeth were also to marry as for herself she might always command a home with lady russell lady russell's composed mind and polite manners were put to some trial on this point in her intercourse in camden place the sight of mrs clay in such favour and of anne so overlooked was a perpetual provocation to her there and vexed her as much when she was away as a person in bath who drinks the water gets all the new publications and has a very large acquaintance has time to be vexed as mr elliot became known to her she grew more charitable or more indifferent towards the others his manners were an immediate recommendation and on conversing with him she found the solid so freely supporting the superficial that she was at first as she told anne almost ready to exclaim can this be mr elliot and could not seriously picture to herself a more agreeable or estimable man everything united in him good understanding correct opinions knowledge of the world and a warm heart he had strong feelings of family attachment and family honour without pride or weakness he lived with the liberality of a man of fortune without display he judged for himself in everything essential without defying public opinion in any point of worldly decorum he was steady observant moderate candid never run away with by spirits or by selfishness which fancied itself strong feeling and yet with a sensibility to what was admirable and lovely and a value for all the felicities of domestic life which characters of fancied enthusiasm and violent agitation seldom really possess she was sure that he had not been happy in marriage colonel wallace said it and lady russell saw it but it had been no unhappiness to sour his mind nor she began pretty soon to suspect to prevent his thinking of a second choice her satisfaction in mr elliot outweighed all the plague of mrs clay it was now some years since anne had begun to learn that she and her excellent friend could sometimes think differently and it did not surprise her therefore that lady russell should see nothing suspicious or inconsistent nothing to require more motives than appeared in mr elliot's great desire of a reconciliation 
in lady russell's view it was perfectly natural that mr elliot at a mature time of life should feel it a most desirable object and what would very generally recommend him among all sensible people to be on good terms with the head of his family the simplest process in the world of time upon a head naturally clear and only erring in the heyday of youth and presumed however still to smile about it and at last to mention elizabeth lady russell listened and looked and made only this cautious reply elizabeth very well time will explain it was a reference to the future which anne after a little observation felt she must submit to she could determine nothing at present in that house elizabeth must be first and she was in the habit of such general observance as miss elliot that any particularity of attention seemed almost impossible mr elliot too it must be remembered had not been a widower seven months a little delay on his side might be very excusable in fact anne could never see the crape round his hat without fearing that she was the inexcusable one in attributing to him such imaginations for though his marriage had not been very happy still it had existed so many years that she could not comprehend a very rapid recovery from the awful impression of its being dissolved however it might end he was without any question their pleasantest acquaintance in bath she saw nobody equal to him and it was a great indulgence now and then to talk to him about lyme which he seemed to have as lively a wish to see again and to see more of as herself they went through the particulars of their first meeting a great many times he gave her to understand that he had looked at her with some earnestness she knew it well and she remembered another person's look also they did not always think alike his value for rank and connection she perceived was greater than hers it was not merely complacence it must be a liking to the cause which made him enter warmly into her father and sister's solicitudes on a subject which she thought unworthy to excite them the bath paper one morning announced the arrival of the dowager viscountess dalrymple and her daughter the honourable miss carteret and all the comfort of no camden place was swept away for many days for the dalrymples in anne's opinion most unfortunately were cousins of the elliots and the agony was how to introduce themselves properly anne had never seen her father and sister before in contact with nobility and she must acknowledge herself disappointed she had hoped better things from their high ideas of their own situation in life and was reduced to form a wish which she had never foreseen a wish that they had more pride for our cousins lady dalyrimple and miss carteret our cousins the dalyrimples sounded in her ears all day long sir walter had once been in company with the late viscount but had never seen any of the rest of the family and the difficulties of the case arose from there having been a suspension of all intercourse by letters of ceremony ever since the death of that said late viscount when in consequence of a dangerous illness of sir walter's at the same time there had been an unlucky omission at kellynich no letter of condolence had been sent to ireland the neglect had been visited on the head of the sinner for when poor lady elliot died herself no letter of condolence was received at kellynich and consequently there was but too much reason to apprehend that the dalyrimples considered the relationship as closed how to have this anxious business set to rights and be admitted as cousins again was the question and it was a question which in a more rational manner neither lady russell nor mr elliot thought unimportant family connections were always worth preserving good company always worth seeking lady dalyrimple had taken a house for three months in laura place 
and would be living in style she had been at bath the year before and lady russell had heard her spoken of as a charming woman it was very desirable that the connection should be renewed if it could be done without any compromise of propriety on the side of the elliots sir walter however would choose his own means and at last wrote a very fine letter of ample explanation regret and entry to his right honourable cousin neither lady russell nor mr elliot could admire the letter but it did all that was wanted in bringing three lines of scrawl from the dowager viscountess she was very much honoured and should be happy in their acquaintance the tolls of the business were over the sweets began they visited in lower place they had the cards of dowager viscountess dalrymple and the honourable miss carteret to be arranged wherever they might be most visible and our cousins in lower place our cousin lady dalrymple and miss carteret were talked of to everybody anne was ashamed had lady dalrymple and her daughter even been very agreeable she would still have been ashamed of the agitation they created but they were nothing there was no superiority of manner accomplishment or understanding lady dalrymple had acquired the name of a charming woman because she had a smile and a civil answer for everybody miss carteret was still less to say was so plain and so awkward that she would never have been tolerated in camden place but for her birth lady russell confessed she had expected something better but yet it was an acquaintance worth having and when anne ventured to speak her opinion of them to mr elliot he agreed to their being nothing in themselves but still maintained that as a family connection as good company as those who would collect good company around them they had their value anne smiled and said my idea of good company mr elliot is the company of clever well-informed people who have a great deal of conversation that is what i call good company you are mistaken said he gently that is not good company that is the best good company requires only birth education and manners and with regard to education is not very nice birth and good manners are essential but a little learning is by no means a dangerous thing in good company on the contrary it will do very well my cousin anne shakes her head she is not satisfied she is fastidious my dear cousin sitting down by her you have a better right to be fastidious than almost any other woman i know but will it answer will it make you happy will it not be wiser to accept the society of those good ladies in laura place and enjoy all the advantages of the connection as far as possible you may depend upon it they will move in the first set in bath this winter and as rank is rank your being known to be related to them will have its use in fixing your family our family let me say in that degree of consideration which we must all wish for yes sighed anne we shall indeed be known to be related to them then recollecting herself and not wishing to be answered she added i certainly do think there has been by far too much trouble taken to procure the acquaintance i suppose smiling i have more pride than any of you but i confess it does vex me that we should be so solicitous to have the relationship acknowledged which we may be very sure is a matter of perfect indifference to them pardon me dear cousin you are unjust in your own claims in london perhaps in your present quiet style of living it might be as you say but in bath sir walter elliot and his family will always be worth knowing always acceptable as acquaintance well said anne i certainly am proud too proud to enjoy a welcome which depends so entirely upon place i love your indignation said he it is very natural 
but here you are in bath and the object is to be established here with all the credit and dignity which ought to belong to sir walter elliot you talk of being proud i am called proud i know and i shall not wish to believe myself otherwise for our pride if investigated would have the same object i have no doubt though the kind may seem a little different in one point i am sure my dear cousin he continued speaking lower though there was no one else in the room in one point i am sure we must feel alike we must feel that every addition to your father's society among his equals or superiors may be of use in diverting his thoughts from those who are beneath him he looked as he spoke to the seat which mrs clay had been lately occupying a sufficient explanation of what he particularly meant and though anne could not believe in their having the same sort of pride she was pleased with him for not liking mrs clay and her conscience admitted that his wishing to promote her father's getting great acquaintance was more than excusable in the view of defeating her End of chapter sixteen